What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Chapter 12 of the Share the Story podcast. I get to have a great conversation with my good friend Brandon Hall today, and I have a confession to make. We talked for a good about 40 minutes or so, as you'll hear in today's pod, but the best parts of the conversation actually happened after we turned the mics off. And uh, it's really indicative of the fact that when you have somebody that you see the world very similar, uh, you, you see the world in a very similar way to that person. You have a, you have the ability to kind of bounce ideas off of them and, and talk about certain things with them that you can't always talk to other people about, right? He was one of the first people that I actually told about um, this idea about this podcast that I have and uh, as well as some of the subsequent things that we want to do with Share the Story. And he's always been a really encouraging person because like myself, I, as I view myself, He's a dreamer. He's somebody who sees things that he wants to do that's bigger than where he is currently. And, and he's striving for something. He's pushing for something. And some of it is really idealistic. And it's maybe not even realistic in certain ways. But it's something that he's still pushing for. And it can go through changes and, and maturations. But it's still something that he's pushing for and has in his purview. So I'm really excited about this conversation. And I, and I know what we actually got recorded is really great. It's great stuff it's really helpful and i hope you guys really enjoy it but i did have that confession that i wanted to make and let you know uh, that there was a ton of stuff that we uh that we had that i thought was gold it was it was gold and uh, all of that came up after the fact after the microphones were already turned off so i apologize for that but uh thank you guys so much for tuning in I've been Michael Baylor. This is Chapter 12 of the Share the Story podcast, and we'll catch you on the other side. What did you want to do when you grew up, when you were growing up, man? Like, what what was it that you were, that you wanted to do growing up? Because you're kind of like the Forrest Gump of my friend group. Shut up, what? You're like the Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump of my friend group. You're, you do. Forrest Gump. You, you um, do a lot. Man, like my first initial thing I ever wanted to do was be a fighter pilot. Really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I definitely like when I was younger, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So. Um, yeah. Like maybe Top Gun. Like Top Gun, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we went to. We were gonna go to an air show when I was five. Cause we lived in Fayetteville and uh, I ended up getting a uh, chicken pox that same day. And so we didn't mm-hmm. get the last time I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So. so that, that derailed your, your dreams of being a fighter pilot. That derailed it for sure. And then what? So then after that, what was the dream? I don't know if I really had a dream, you know, like, I don't know, like in high school, that I was thinking, like, man, this is what I want to be, you know? Right. Um, and so then you get to, then you get to, so, but then you chose to do uh, music in college, right? As your like major. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying something that was like being pushed on me in high school to study because I definitely. Like, what do you mean by that when you say being pushed on? Like, like if my parents were like, no, go study, you know, law or something or be a doctor, you know, like, I don't think there was really that 
but I definitely chose music because I just felt like I wanted to study something that I enjoyed, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be, um, like, I like to, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I studied music, majored, double majored in music education and music industry studies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then... The in, like, here's how I processed it in my mind, right? So I had a teaching fellow scholarship, which I know Becky did too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured it out pretty early on, like within the first three days of college that I want to be a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. but, I had, but I had this scholarship, right? So I thought, you know, I'll get through college on this scholarship, but what I really want to do is the production stuff, you know? So that's why I double majored. Um, so that would kind of have like, you know, here's your fallback job, your, that kind of thing. And then I still had the experience of what I wanted to pursue, which was the production side. So what made you not want to be a teacher anymore? What, what was it that made you like, this isn't for me? I don't think I ever wanted to be a teacher, man. It's just all my family was teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you, um, when did you start having a desire to, to be, and an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. So, well, back or just to work for yourself. College. Yeah, so I graduated college and I, I graduated in December and I had a teaching degree. So I didn't really get a job teaching until August. So I took a job working as like a non-student temp at App. Um, you know, I made like 10, 11 bucks an hour, basically like convocation center. Um, and I didn't want to do that. For, I got a job at uh, Blowing Rock Middle School teaching band orchestra. It was a halftime gig. Um, yeah. And so basically I worked like two hours a day and got 60% of a salary, which was pretty awesome. And then I just, like, I still, like, I had all the time in my day, so I took a lot on the side, like, a lot of private lessons and things like that, um, and some different, but it wasn't really, like, <clears throat> it was probably, like, I'm 28 now. I would say it was when I was 25, I had what, uh, what I call a quarter-life crisis, and <laughs> Um, I've heard some people, really, you know, say like, that's my thing. Like, you know, whatever point in your life when you have like a awakening moment where you're like, man, this, this is not how things should be going. You know, that's, you know, your quarter life or your midlife or whatever it is. That's, that's when it happens, you know? And so I think kids do it in part, man. I think, you know, one day you wake up and you got a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I need to be doing something more productive or, you know, you just start work like, you know, I was 25, I worked for the state, I had an industrial state job and I just thought, you know, like everybody around me is, has either been here or will be here for 30 plus years. You know, they may increase their salary by, you know, 10, 15, 20% over the course of their lifetime. And like, you know, and like for me, I was like, that's not how I'm going down, you know? <laughs> right, right. Like you could predict, you could like look out at the people around you and predict what the next 50 years was going to be for you. Yeah, for sure, man. Like I could, you know, I could just the highest I'll ever get at the university, you know, like I might be a, a vice chancellor or something, you know, and as <laughs> awesome as that is for some people, I was like, I don't want anything to do with that, you know? Right. 
you know, I just kind of started reading a lot of books, um, you know, book after book after book about personal finance and, you know, a lot of, a lot of different books that I think really shape the way I think now. And, you know, over the past, I've tried a bunch of different businesses and done a lot of different things. And I think, you know, they've all been great learning experiences and have kind of shaped where I am now and what I'm pursuing now. And so, um, you know, and I, I guess that's since I kind of had that um, mind shift or mindset change, it's probably been about three years, really. But mm. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always a learning process. You know? Right, right. And you said that going back off of like the learning process piece, you said that you um, started reading a whole lot of book on a whole lot of books on finances. Um, yeah. Were you were you like an avid reader prior to this point? Negative. No. Not even like the only book I've ever read. I read like the first Harry Potter book. And like I, you know, like even in high school English, man, like I never read a book. I just cliff noted, you know. Right. Definitely was not a reader. Um, but I mean, that that's like, you know, there's a lot of guys like Warren Buffett and, um, you know, some of the richest people in the world or some of not even, you know, financially, but just some of the brightest minds in the world uh, were he interviewed and he was asked like if there's one go back and be and his answer was like read more books you know and mm. i think you know a book is basically like someone's shorthand of their entire life right so there you read a book by you know david hodge and you know it's going to be his life's work and so you know in the span of a book you can learn every mistake not to do it for yourself and successes were and things like that so I think that's one of definitely the things I figured out pretty quickly and so then I started reading books from people I admired and you know people that were doing doing big things yeah so in every book they mention like two or three books that you should read so it's like you know, <laughs> so it's like a it was good hole. it was natural yeah it was a natural progression yeah yeah you know there's a lot of good content out there um in the podcast world too, you know, if you're in the car commuting, doing whatever, you can get a lot of good advice and experience, you know, from interviews and things like that. Right. <clears throat> now you said that at one point you said that, you know, like a kid kind of can bring on that quarter life. Do you, do you feel like that was the case with, uh, with Grayson really <clears throat> your first man? Like, you know me, like I don't feel much pressure on, you know, a lot of things. I'm not the uh, one to get stressed out or worry about. Um, and so, like, I don't know if it was like, man, we had grace and I've got to, you know, like consciously, like I'm making an effort to make money to pay for college or whatever. But I just think, like, maybe even just maturity-wise, man, like it definitely changes you, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, like you, it just happens. You know, you're like, you all of a sudden become a dad, you know, like divide and, and be that guy, you know, like I don't want, you know, rich spoiled kids, but I also don't want kids that, you know, grow up in um, mediocrity. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to provide the best mm -hmm. for my kids, and, you know, keep them grounded. But I think, you know, just like traveling, like I want my family to be able to travel and do things together and experience things that, you know, I wasn't able to do when I was younger. So, and I didn't grow up in a poor family. I mean, my family was, uh, but, you know, I just think 
that's important to me for them to have experiences and be able to travel and do things. So, yeah. Now we were talking before um, we were talking yesterday about uh, sphere of influence and kind of uh, yeah how that has helped you and from the real estate standpoint. Um, yeah. Essentially, what I'm asking is that you know has have you have you had to like really take a look at you know the people that you spend most of your time with, I guess. Um, yeah, man, for sure. Like that's one of the things I think when you start down this path, you hear the most is you know you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. You know, mm-hmm. so um, you know I think I do try to be selective of who I spend my time with and also I think spend my time with that I think like you know like man I don't want to be like them you know like sure I also recognize can influence their life you know you know you got people above you people beside you and people below you and so I think you know I approach it from that mindset too like you know just because I somebody in certain aspects doesn't mean I need to completely shut them out of my life but you know, I think there's things that I can glean from everyone and different, you know, aspects of people that, um, you know, that I can take from. And it's not to say that all my relationships are about what can I gain from it, you know. But I think there's like definitely reciprocity. I feel like ships, like I want to be able to pour out and give. Um, but then at the same time, like I want to be impacted by them too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I mean, I think... You know, I, I look at the people that I've kind of seen in a church together forever. And like, you know, my close knit group of friends, like, you know, they are who they are now because, you know, we've been doing life together for so long. But so like, as I look, you know, for my goals for my life and stuff, you know, like when I got into real estate, you know, Vincent, I know who's the best at what he does. So that's who I want to work for because I want to learn what he knows and I want to be in his company. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, like another thing, Pastor, I always like, you know, being in the room, being in the room with Jay Vincent and watch him, you know, do real estate. Like that's an honor, you yeah. know? And so, you know, I sought him out and I applied for, you know, his company you know, because that's who. I want to manager after, you know what I mean? And I mean, right. like, I'm not really in real estate for, as a sales agent for the long term. Like my ultimate goal with real estate is to be an investor. Right. Mm. And so, um, being an agent, I was able to quit working for the state and increase my income quite a bit from where it was at the state work less hours so I can get this business off the ground. But then also learning, concepts and principles about real estate that are going to help me down the road when I buy a 2000 unit apartment complex in Charlotte or something like that. You know, so like as I, as my wealth grows and I continue to invest in real estate, cause we own some real estate now from a rental standpoint. But, um, you know, one of the books I read was rich dad, poor dad. And his, uh, <laughs> One of the books I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And one of the things he says in that book, um, Robert Kiyosaki, is you shouldn't work for money. You should work for the knowledge and the experience of what you're doing. And so back over the past three or four years of everything I've done, and I've done like, you know, I've 
own rental property. I've flipped a house. You know, I've taught music lessons. I've built websites. Like I've done all this stuff. And at the time, you know, I was just trying to figure figure it out, right? I can say, man, like God brought me up through all this and like look at the things I learned with all that stuff. And I feel like it's kind of been successful at things I'm pursuing now, if that makes sense. Mm. Now, it kind of seems as though throughout, you know, even over the last few years, you've been playing, I guess, the proverbial long ball, right? Um, you've been looking, you've been looking at the, um, at the uh, not necessarily even the finish line, but you you've been looking ahead to where you want to end up rather than um, rather than focusing on the intensity of that next step. Right. Um, if that makes any sense, like how do you, how do you, how have you been able to pay attention to that end goal? Cause I mean, it could get pretty daunting, not making very much money, you know, working yeah. for the state um, and then, you know, moving forward and, kind of just doing some real estate stuff of which could end up being pretty successful. Not saying that it's not now, but you know, could end up being pretty successful. But at the same time, you're looking towards this is good, but I want to be on the investor level. What, what, what keeps you focused on that, on the, on the long game as it were? Yeah, man. I mean, I think, you know, my, a gift man like my ability to vision envision my future like it's vivid you know what i mean like i can tell you you know like and for me like i i try i am like i'm kind of materialistic like i like um but for me like that kind of helps me man so like i can envision myself in the car i'm going to be driving and in the neighborhood i live in and for me like just having like those kind of things that are tangible. Right. So like I can look at like, let's say I want like a new truck, you know, $50,000 truck or something like for me, like financially looking at the goals, like, okay, that truck's going to be 800 much business or income. Do I need to generate to where I can afford to have that truck? Or, you know, maybe I don't want to finance it. Maybe I want to buy it outright. You know? So I think, like I have a very clear picture of what my life looks like five, 10 years from now. And so everything that I do and all the goals that I are slowly <laughs> making progress towards that vision of what I, what I see, you know what I mean? Mm. So, and it's for me, man, like a lot of it is money, but it's not money for money's sake. Like it's money for freedom. Like, you know, I want to be able to, to, like I said, travel and, and, you know, be able to, like I'd love to buy my parents a house and, you know, take dad out and let him buy a muscle car or something. You know, like I want, like I want to be able to give back, you know, like I want to pay for our church building. You know what I mean? Like I want to be, right. want to be equipped to be a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's just important to me, man. So like everything I do, you know, like I feel like the short term is so like easy to get convoluted and, you know, like, how is this really helping my end goal? But that's just the kind of stuff like you just kind of have to, you know, get through the, you know, sometimes it, it can be mundane and doesn't feel like you're making progress. But I feel like every now and then you look back and you can say, man, this is where I was six months ago. And now look what I've done. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wait every so often to make sure you're still on track. What was the but, point in which you really felt like, I mean, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to. I'm just going to find like a, you know, a solid, you know, a solid 
five day a week gig. What was the point? What? what was the point? Was there a point, I guess, or, you know, what was the point? Was there a point in which you just kind of were like, I can't really do, I can't really do this, you know, that you felt like you wanted to tap out? Um, I mean, other than every day, yeah. <laughs> like it's not easy. Yeah. You know? So it's an everyday thing you, you say? No, not really, man. I mean, it, it's hard. Like just, I mean, it's like, you know, you're building the ark with no plans, you know? Mm. And like, that's why I read and that's why I listen to podcasts because people have done what I've done, you know? And so I'm able to get, um, I'm able to see where other people are. But <clears throat> for me, man, like I had that, like I can't do this thing anymore when I was working nine to five. Mm. Like for me, for me, when I was working for the state and, you know, I was not seeing my kids, I was making, a, not in my opinion, not a very, um, you know, I was, and I felt like, I just felt like it was wrong, you know, like, like I can't do this anymore. And so that's when I went the opposite direction. That's when I ditched the nine to five and said, you know, I'm going to make something happen, you know, out here on my own. So, yeah, I, I honestly have not since I left out. And I mean, it, that job was a blessing. I learned a lot. I made a lot of connections and obviously it, you know, paid money that provided for my family for a few years, but, um, when I left DAP, like I think I've ever had, you know, a piece about me like that, you know, like it was like, this is definitely what I needed to be doing. Mm. So, so it was pretty awesome, man. And I've had some, some success in real estate and it's been um, like, it's definitely been a blessing and it's kept me afloat while I figure out how to start a business, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so what is that feeling like? when you say like i'm done with this you know i'm done with this this previous life and i'm just going to go all in on what you know i really want to do well like um because you said you haven't really missed it you haven't really missed you know app and so forth so like you know i mean i guess yeah what was what was that like that feeling um I mean, it's a mindset shift, man. Like, realized I could make exponentially more money for less hours of work, you know, doing something that I enjoy. I mean, it was just like a no-brainer. It was like, how soon can I, can I make this shift? And for me, like, <clears throat> I had a kid and a mortgage and, you know, car payments and all this stuff. And so, you know, had I not had that, I would have quit immediately. You know, but I, I worked it out. I mean, I probably stayed there another three or four months. <clears throat> like, I knew, I mean, I told Leslie, you know, probably a year before Act, like, I got I to gotta get out of here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There were some things that happened on the job, and I was just like, man, I'm just fed up with it, you know? And so I told Leslie one time, it was like probably like summer or something. I was like, December 31st, my last day here. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh, working past that day, you know? How'd, how'd she, how'd she feel and about so, that? And she was like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. You know, like you need to. You need oh, to that's treat. awesome. No, not really. She, she was not saying like, <laughs> okay, like quit. She was saying like, okay, babe, whatever, you know, like, 
<laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. And so, uh, and another thing, man, like I just, like I wasn't giving it 100% to that job and they deserve somebody that was, you know, mm. like my, my heart was not in it. And I definitely thought, um, you know, like I couldn't continue to, to give them half of me or part of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no. Huh? No. Okay. What you talking? <laughs> just oh, waiting on the uh, sweet tea. Oh, okay. No sweet tea's good. Um, and so you know, for me, man, like I told Leslie, you know, like I can remember going to the bathroom and calling her and be like, like this just happened. I'm so mad. Like you know, December 31st, my last day here. And so um, I tell myself I'm going to do something, and then I do it no matter what the mm. consequences are, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's important to do, right? Like, you, you know, um, I think you had JT Whitmire on your podcast not too long ago. <laughs> um, he always said, don't talk about it, be about it, you know? And so yeah. uh, for me, man, like, I think that's important. Like, if I say I'm going to do something, I try to stick to my word. And sometimes it's not feasible. Sometimes you just need to be like, okay, I should have just not said that, you know? Right, but, right, right, right. right. You know, I said December 31st, and my last day was January 11th, so I stuck pretty close. You got pretty close. It, you, know? you got closer than most people close. would probably have gotten. <clears throat> yeah, and so I, you know, my boss and I talked about it, and we both decided, like, I needed, you know, I needed to get out of that job. And so, um, you know, I worked, like, a three-month notice, I think, because I probably turn in my resignation in like September, but I got them through, you know, a lot of the events that, that they needed me for. Um, so, you know, and I didn't really have anything else to do except, you know, try to start a business and sell real estate. So I was flexible enough that I could do that. Right. So doing the, doing, doing the real estate thing was what you saw, saw as your way to give you the more money and the freedom of hours to do what you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Did I hear that right? So for me, yeah, like one thing I've always read and, and I, the people that I look at that are wealthy from business is they all invest in real estate mm. business for them. Right. So no matter who it is, no matter what their wealth is from, like they've got they've got investments in real estate. And so for me, you know, like I bought a fourplex and we put the house and like I've been kind of learning that game at a smaller level. And so, you know, that naturally, like, you know, hey, I could be a real estate agent, right? You know, like our market's pretty good. And so I kind of started looking into getting my license and things like that. And for me, I'm definitely an optimist, man. Like, I don't see the downside to things, mm -hmm. you know, like even now, like I had to put the money in the bank. She's like, now what? I'm like, babe, that's a ton of money I just put in the bank. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm not. I'm not thinking about now what, like, I was like, I did good. Right. <laughs> but, um, she's, she keeps me grounded in that sense. But for me, like I was looking at real estate and I was thinking, man, like, you know, I could sell six houses a year and make more than I make, you know, working, you know, 50 hours a week at app. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, for me, like, I just thought, man, I can, I can sell real estate. I can make enough money to replace what I'm, what my salary was at app time to, to pursue my, my other things and kind of, and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know, with church learning all that at the time. And so, um, 
you know, that that's been evolving. And so I think for me, like, you know, that was just kind of like my next move, you know, and, and I didn't really realize it until, you know, looking at it now, you know, like that really, like selling real estate, you don't, you work for a company, but you really work for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. like you're a contractor. You control. Your so the real estate was your foot things. was the foot in the door to, for a lot of people that you read and as well as, and now kind of for you is your foot in the door to your, what you would perceive as your financial freedom going forward. I think so, man. Like for me, it's like a stepping stone. So it was the thing that was going to buy me some time to, to, to get my, my business off the ground, get it rolling. Um, also going to allow me to learn, learn the market and how the market works at the same time. So that, you know, if I make a bunch of money in the future, then I'm more savvy as far as how the markets work and, you know, how to go about investing in commercial real estate and stuff. So, Okay. So moving forward, what, what's the, what's the next step, man? Cause you've been talking about you, you hired a couple of people and you hired a couple of people for what your, your um, business that you have or for the real estate stuff. Nah, so real estate, man, and I, sometimes I feel guilty, man, because like this thing, but I've been work church learn is kind of the culmination of everything I've learned um, with web design and internet marketing and, and business and feel like them that I can devote myself to that, you know, um, has the power to, to generate the kind of life that I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, um, I read somewhere is like, if you want a certain lifestyle, like you need to look at the vehicle, like, you know, I was never going to be a millionaire working for the state. Right. So right. it was important for me to be in a vehicle that I could can, that I could make more money and control. So real estate, you know, I could sell real estate and be a millionaire, right? The harder I work, I mean, and the more things I sell, like I can make more money. Um, that still was not good enough for me because that's still a lot of hours, right? Right. And so for me, like I, what I want to do is I want to build a business that's scalable so I can implement systems and hire people. And so I'm still limited in time. I'm putting, I mean, it's obviously hard work and I work long days, but it's something that I don't have to be working 50 hours a week on for the rest of my life to make a paycheck, right? Right. So by building up a business, you know, eventually I'm going to scale back the amount of time that I'm in it or I can sell the business. Right. And so that's kind of like where church learn is, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I found a, an idea and a business that I could pursue <coughs> that would, um, it's like a win, win, win for everybody, right? There's a real need for it in the market. It allows, you know, pastors and leaders and content authors and people that are already teaching to kind of expand their platforms and generate passive income for their ministries or to offset their salaries, jobs for the community. Um, and then it also, you know, is going to, um, it's going to grow in equity, right. As far as like the business itself and its valuation, the more revenue it generates, it's going to grow and become this, you know, basically like a nest egg or, you know, in the entrepreneur life, like, I don't think you ever, say that was my last gig. Like, I think, you know, if I sell it five or 10 years from now, like it's going to fund other businesses. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
How would you define being an entrepreneur? Um, because I feel like people, I I feel like I've I've met people who have uh, like one business idea and they consider themselves entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it is. I mean, I think anytime you go out on your own, like whether you're selling lemonade or you know you start you know walmart or something you're you're an entrepreneur right <clears throat> and they say um entrepreneur is just a nice term for unemployed um i read this one thing and it was like when you're on a dating site that means they don't have a job like <laughs> like you know don't pursue those people but it is man i mean i i feel like for me like it's like, you know, it's like a hustle. It's like being scrappy, like trying to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think like one thing I feel like I'm good at is coming up with ideas and the names for those ideas. Mm-hmm. Like when I think of a business, it usually name, right? And so, you know, like church learn, like that's pretty self-explanatory what, you know, something where the church is learning, right? Um mm-hmm. But so, you know, I come up with all these ideas and I immediately go and see if the domain's available. And then if the domain's available, I usually buy it. And then like, I've got some domains that I think are great business ideas that I could pursue. It's not the right time for me to pursue them, but bucks a year to hold on to them, you know? Um, Right. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like the challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs is like some of them, they move too much, you know, like they can't commit to any one thing or see it through. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that is a challenge. And I think, you know, like you need to be able to know like what's worth your time and what isn't. And so I feel like, you know, at some point you got to find an idea that you're going to pursue and you're going to stick to and see it through, you know, um, right. another, another thing I read, the F O C U S stands for follow one course until successful just because it's hard doesn't mean, you know, it's not working. It just means I'm, I don't know how to do it yet. And so I got to figure it out, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's what an entrepreneur is. (laughs) So, so you've got a wife, um, house, you got, you know, a couple of investment, uh, got an investment property, um, got two kids and one on the way. Right. What's what's it? What's the what's the hope? I guess if you were to kind of culminate it and bring it all together, what is what's the thing that you're really hoping for? You know, for yourself and I mean for your kids. And you've you've talked you've touched on it a little bit over the last course of what we've been talking about. But yeah, man. I mean, I I think for my family, <coughs> for my family, like I just want that freedom, right? So I think, um, you know, like I want to be able to take the burden off my parents for their mortgage and, you know, things like that and be a blessing to other people. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. I think that's important. Um, and you know, like, like I don't want to be the guy that's always at work and not at my kids, you know, events and stuff. The thing that a lot of people are pushing lifestyle design. And so, you know, it's possible to, to build an income around, you know, your life lifestyle is the lake on Saturdays with my family. Like that doesn't mean I have to 
you know, make less money because I don't work Saturdays. It just means I have to be creative with, um, you know, what I'm doing and, and I have to design my business and my life so that they complement each other, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Well, cool, man. You guys out of tea? Yeah. So, uh, give me a quick rundown of, um, you, you, you touched on it, but give me a quick rundown so that people will know uh, what it is that uh, this uh, this business that you're doing. Yeah, so it's called churchlearn.com. And basically, if you're familiar with like Alinda or a Udemy, um, mm-hmm. it's online courses for the church. You know, my motto is like a, a learning community for the church by the church. So it's kind of got like that boo thing. You know, like if you envision like a, a YouTube, right, for the church. So, you know, like pastors, churches, people might have their own channels where they post, you know, like Chaz could post like a lot of drum videos and things like this. So there's like a free community to it, right, that's mm-hmm. built by the church because they're putting their content. And, um, you know, and then, you know, it's supposed the church is going to this site to learn these things and learn from these people. And then on the, you know, that's like a free platform almost. And then on the other side, um, as of today, I'm calling it like Church Learn University, but it's really like a subscription side to where you've got mm-hmm. some pretty high level courses and training materials. So you might have like leadership and structure courses and like, um, and so I partner with people who are like influencers within the church already, right? So one of the guys is Ricardo Miller. Mm-hmm. So he just did a course um, standard and, and I mean, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Andrew and I actually went down to Dallas and filmed it and um, that dude's super smart. But, um, you know, for me, like if I can provide access with our platform to that same training, you know, for, you know, a small fee, it's, it's more accessible for the church, you know, as a whole to access his skill set. At the same time, like he's, he did it once and he doesn't have to do it again. So he's able to leverage his time, you know, and kind of grow his brand and impact at the same time without having to travel, you know, all over the place and be in all these different places. So it kind of, it's really like a win, win, win solution is how I look at it. Right. So he can, he can generate income off of his skill sets and off of his platform. Mm -hmm. The church is able to access that content and better, you know, advance the kingdom. And then the business itself is able to make money and grow um, to continue to provide, you know, impact and, and stuff. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, dude. You know, I was talking to a former coworker of mine some years ago, and we were talking about how she used to own a like a boutique clothing store in a small town and downtown small town that we were living in and she was talking about how she failed and we shouldn't really ask her about you know business practices because she failed at business and I looked at her and I said you didn't fail millions of people every day are thinking about and talking about all of the stuff that they want to do and the things that they're going to do but they never execute on it you're a part of the few people who stood up and say that said that they were going to try something right and i think so much of that is a part of this uh quarter life crisis that we were talking about earlier right 
and I think maybe even a better term for that is a quarter life awakening. I think that at any point in time in your life, you have the opportunity to wake up and say, the way that things are right now is not the way that things, uh, the way that I want them to be. And the power is in my hands to change those things. So it was really great to talk to Brandon through some of those things. And I think that really is what it is, whether you are in your mid 20s or in your, in your 30s or you're in your 40s or 50s or whatever. If you have that ability and you have that wherewithal to wake up and say, I'm going to change the outlook of my life and the things that are going on in my life and create what I want to see. I don't think you can ever look back on that with regret. So thanks so much to Brandon for being on the podcast today. I think that's what I'm going to call it. Chapter 12, A Quarter Life Awakening. I don't know. Thanks so much for my man, Jerry Blackwell. He's got the backing track. It's called We Can Make It. Find him on SoundCloud. Leave him some love. And uh, listen, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, leave us a like, a review on uh, iTunes as well as on SoundCloud. Uh, Not only do we love the feedback, but we also really appreciate uh, you doing that because it helps other people to hear about the podcast. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to Chapter 12 of Share the Story. I'm Michael Baylor. We'll catch you next time.